This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Art of War podcast. This is episode 20 with our guest, Justin Lewis, with what I'm going to call an imperial soup list. But I think it's basically Blood Angels, um, Iron Hands, and Admech, with probably the primary and Admech. Uh, and as always, we have our, our guest, or not our guest, our normal host, Nick Nanavati, who needs no introduction, but I'm just going to remind listeners that Nick has basically won everything in the world in 40k and is... Uh, in my opinion, one of the best players and in the discussion for the best player uh, in the world. So anyway, uh, Nick, why don't Thanks, you go ahead and take it away? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we're having Justin on to talk about his Imperial Soupy, Admech, Blood Angel, Iron Hands list. Um, but before we get too deep into that, I know some people may think that Justin, uh, due to some whatever you may have heard through the grapevine, might be a controversial pick for the podcast. Um, John, do you have anything to say on that? I do. Yeah. So... I'll be honest, I was a little reticent to have Justin on as a guest. I mean, obviously his list was really interesting and his performance at Atlanta made it a very compelling guest to maybe have on. Um, but there are a lot of swirling or have been in the past, swirling rumors and that kind of things. And you guys can go, go look all that crap up and I'm going to classify it as crap because that, that's what it is. It's, it's a drama that we don't need. But I know that I talked to Richard Siegler who actually played against Justin um, in Atlanta. And Richard Siegler's teammate, and also now your teammate with Obey Alliance, Mark Perry, also played him. And you know, basically both those guys went to bat for Justin and said, no, he was, he was a gentleman. He was great. Like We had a great time. Um, and I, I'm a big believer in redemption stories. And if people want to change the narrative and, and you know, make mistakes or whatever, then um, I'm not going to punish them for something that they did in the past. So uh, I think he's going to be a good guest. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy the listen. Yeah, and you know what? I'm I've never played Justin. I've never played you, Justin. So uh, I'm the kind of guy who I make my judgments about people based on my experiences with them. I don't listen to someone else's experience and let that clout my judgment. I view everyone with an open mind. Uh, and you know, I've you've, we never played, like I said, but you've been nothing but amicable towards me, and I've really enjoyed the time we've hung out together and whatnot at events and things. So I'm happy to have you on. Um, as far as I know, you're good to go. Uh, let's just get into it. Uh, Justin, is there anything you want to say on the subject before we do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I appreciate you guys for having me on. Um, I listen to you guys all the time. And uh, But yeah, so just you know, jumping into the past a little bit, I mean, to be honest, I, I, there's not much more that I really want to say other than I know that things have happened and mistakes have been made. And, and I'm more looking to move forward from here. And uh, you know, I want the person across from me in every game from you know, I guess six months ago to moving forward. And then, you know, from Atlanta on just to, to base their judgment off of playing me now, um, playing against me on the table, seeing that I am doing everything I can to be above table showing as much, you know, or if not all intent that I can, 
um, and just, you know, trying to have good experiences to grow the hobby, to grow the community as best as I can, because this is a, an amazing hobby. And I'm so thankful that I found it, um, you know, later, I guess, later in my life, in my mid to late twenties. Um, so, you know, I just, I would love for, for the judgment of, of Justin Lois, the, the gamer and Justin Lois, the player, the person, um, to be based off of my experiences with them across the table moving forward. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love a good redemption story? So with that said, guys, um, I don't want to dwell on the past or dig it up anymore. Let's just move forward. and like, let's get it done. So uh, why don't you run us through what the list was that you took to pro tabletop? And I believe you hit top four there, right? In a really hard field. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think um, just based off appreciate it. Yeah. Well, congratulations on second. You finished one, one spot <laughs> ahead <you>. of me. <laughs> And in, I guess, what, $1,700 richer. (laughs) So, um, but no, yeah, I finished third. um, Just, I guess, based off battle points was, you know, the semifinal didn't matter, you know. Um, But yeah, finished third. It was, it was a, you know, a really good showing and it was an unbelievable time. I mean, I think, you know, 30 or 40 of the top 100 in the ITC were there or something like that. So um, it was a ton of fun. And, and, you know, the, the people that were bashing on the internet before, I think, have kind of we've we've been able to silence because of the the people that showed up the the quality of the streams and and the quality of the games. Um, I think they were able to silence uh, you know all the critics critics on the tournament. So awesome. So what was the what was the list that you run ran? Yeah. So like you said, um, I ran Imperium Imperial Soup, um, and that it's really you know kind of my forte. Um, I've dabbled a little bit into orcs and, and other stuff, but my list that I took to Pro Tabletop uh, was three battalion or two battalions and a spearhead. Uh, battalion of Styges Admech um, with the Datalosis, pretty much an auto include nowadays. Um, the Tech Priest Engineer, five man Ranger squads, um, and it was all Styges. I don't know if I mentioned that already. Uh, five yeah, just three five mans. Just yeah, just three base five mans, no no snipers, no plasma. Uh, I know Hurdle's running a lot of the plasma and stuff, but I haven't dabbled into that field yet in any of my lists. Um, but five dragoons, uh, the the stabby dragoons, not the iron striders, not the shooters. Um, uh, the Terax pattern drill, um, 134 points of of awesomeness, and then ten fulgrite uh, combat electropriests, and then. Second battalion is Blood Angels, two Smash Captains. One was my Warlord. Um, he took normally took the you know, Overwatch Relic, and the uh, which gave him rerolls to charges, and then the four damage Thunderhammer because I was playing Centurions and a lot of vehicles, um, and then th- uh, fifteen base Scouts, and then I just had an extra fourteen points. I didn't know what to do with, so I gave two of the guys Inferno pistols, um, which actually came in hand one or two games, and then the Spearhead of Iron Hands which I can't take credit for. Um, I saw it in other people's lists, tested it a couple of times, really liked it. It was a Chaplain Venerable Dreadnought with two last cannons. And then I always took the litany of focus with the plus one ballistic skill. And then uh, two Thunderfires and the Mortis Dreadnought, which I always made a character with the four last cannons. Nice. So uh, you're seeing a lot of common elements uh, in your army that form together to make a really unique army, which is really cool. Like uh, the Iron Hand Spearhead, as you put it, is not an uncommon detachment at all these days. Yeah. Um, and then the Blood Angels Smash Battalion, that's been around for years now. Yeah. Uh, two Smash Captains and Scouts. Um, 
So why the Admech, I guess, is the question. Since you're already playing at this point two Marine Detachments and the Admech Detachment, it had to have crossed your mind to just play Marines because, you know, that's the new hotness. What was the theory behind this list? Like, why this list? Uh, so I guess more of a bias. And, and to, to your point about the Space Marines part, unfortunately, the Blood Angels part wouldn't have actually given me doctrines because the chapter approved wasn't, uh, or the Blood of Ball wasn't live yet. Um, so I would have, I love Supin and, uh, Blood Angels just for their smash captains and the scouting units being able to block off if I drop, if I deployed first, or if I deployed, um, if I was the only one with scouts being able to drop off, um, or block off the, the Stygies move from my Dragoons and my drill. Um, because in that, in that stratagem, it tells you you can't come within nine inches of a, of a specific unit. And so if I wasn't able to. Uh, move them forward they lose a lot of their their abilities um trying to get into combat um but yeah i mean the admec to be honest i i actually was fortunate uh, enough to win best admec um in itc last year and it's my number one army i've been playing it since i started you know i i actually started playing warhammer the day eighth edition came out so just right after admec had been released and i know i think they had been released in seventh edition late in seventh edition and um I just ha I've fallen in love with them, and to be honest, a lot of people don't know a ton about them. And I, I you know, I've I've found that there's a lot of ways that I can, you know, obviously not like it's not gotcha moments, but it's just you know it's they like, just don't they don't use their unfamiliarity, like either they don't know what their squad's damage output is or how tough this unit actually is to shoot. They can tell them their stats, but right, exactly, leaving, you know. Yeah, and, and people see these, you know, they all call them chicken walkers. They all see these big, you know, vehicles, and they're like, oh, well, they're going to shoot me. Or, you know, they, everyone thinks when they hear Admech, they they think of the back in early 8th edition when you had the the four robots that would plant their feet with call and just shoot everything off the table. Um, but and, the, and then they think of, you know, the, the new Scorpius disintegrators or the Icarus arrays and, you know, all those. But they don't they don't think of admech as a combat army and and to be honest admech has a ton of tools that people just you know don't utilize i don't feel like yeah absolutely uh admech are definitely an army that's very underrepresented uh, i think they're, they're starting to gain some traction as far as popularity goes um especially in the midwest out there but overall i would still say they're a very underplayed faction and to see someone doing this well with them is really really awesome i actually have a giant admic army because we took admic to adepticon teams a couple years ago and uh they were a lot of fun to play i think my yeah. favorite thing was that unit of chicken walkers with the taser lances so I oh they're they're amazing and there's there's some things that you know we'll get into later that you know people just maybe they don't see the wording correctly or they don't they haven't looked deeply into it but you know they're they're dangerous in pretty much every single type of meta so so why don't we talk about them um they're a unit which i don't think is people see much uh people don't run it much obviously um for all the reasons you said like people think of admic as a shooting army blah 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 but let me go through the problems with that unit and then you can tell me like why you still took it anyway yeah so being a, a combat unit that uh you know has to it doesn't fly and it's not infantry and your bases are enormous so it's very clunky to move around the table especially with ruins being as prominent as they are in the game uh, especially at pro tabletop you had, you knew you had the two corner ruins and you knew you had the two giant L's in the middle that unit is very unwieldy on that table so mm -hmm. you know that's something to deal with now that you have marines in the meta thunderfire cannons just say you don't move or charge or anything just half movement tremor shells for one cp right and then um not as much anymore but still smash captains are uh, are a thing 
Um, you still certainly see them in Marine List. It's not uncommon at all. Centurions are definitely a thing. And all that is uh, their combat units with a lot of high AP, damage three, flat three attacks. And, you know, being a six wound chicken walker uh, <laughs> unit, damage three, good combat is like one of the scariest things for you to run into. And then I guess finally, it's a unit of chicken walkers. So they give up max gangbusters just by showing up. So how do you. What is why? Just tell me why. Everything that you have just said are all the things that I worry about when I'm building a list with them. But for some reason, for the last since before, right before LVO, I've just I've just kept them in. I found a way to keep them in. Um, you're right. The L's, the L's were tough to you know. Luckily, they were pretty tall at Pro Tabletop, um, but you know they were. Uh, they were tough. They were they were never hiding. Um, you're right. They're clunky. They're they're big. Um, the re I mean, the reason why I bring them is because they're so versatile. Um, if you if you look back at their the stratagems in the Admech book, um, they they can kill a knight in one turn. They can, yeah. you know, um, they can quad point a knight. You know, they can't tri point them because the you know their bases aren't the right you know shape. But I've done it multiple times where I've quad pointed a knight. Because they can only step over infantry, not vehicles. Um, you know, I've, the other thing is, is they're they're phenomenal against marines. Um, because I wish they had better AP, um, but they're too damage flat. Two so that's great versus intercessors and things like that. Intercessors, they're phenomenal against centurions because if you combine the strength eight, you know they're still wounding on threes. But if you combine the strength eight and the minus one and the two damage. You know, you might not take the entire squad out, but it's going to be close. The other thing that people the don't really... fours is also if you were about to say that, but the yeah. Fours. yeah, when they what? When they have Tesla on fours, for, yes, you know that it, it's one command point to to explode on fours. And All right, hold on, slow down. Let's explain how that works for maybe some of our listeners who don't know Admech really well. You say Tesla on fours, we all understand what you're. Sure. In this conversation, understand what's yeah, going yeah. on, but let's explain how ourselves here. Yeah, yeah let's, let's break so, it down. Okay, so at the beginning of the battle round, every battle round, you pick a canical, and this is where they become really, really, really dangerous. So you get to pick a canical, and most people just don't realize that they can pick each one once, or they can randomly determine it on a D6. Um, so if I know I'm going to get to somebody, or if I, if I need the Dragoons to get to somebody, I can put, I think it's number three is the canical, and you can reroll ones to hit. Once you get into combat, you spend one command point, and it's a, a strat, and it's a Skatari, a Skatari unit gets plus one to hit. Unless they have an enhanced data tether, which every single Dragoon will, they get plus two to hit. So now they're three, they're hit on threes, they move up to ones, they're re-rolling ones, so obviously you can't hit on ones, but they hit on twos. But the big part is, is their Tesla hits on sixes, or uh, explodes on sixes, but it moves up to fours because of the plus two to hit. And when you say explodes, does that generate an additional attack or an additional hit? It it uh, generates two additional hits. You don't even have to roll for them. Okay, so it's every hit becomes three hits, and on four ups you do that. And how many base attacks do they have? They have three base. So on my five man squad, if I were to get them in, that's fifteen attacks. And, and the math is, you get if you get all five in, fifteen attacks. You hit on twos. You're going to hit all fifteen times, and hopefully you get eight of those to explode. You know, seven or eight, wherever that number is. So that's an extra sixteen attacks. That's thirty one attacks. That have 31 hit, hits. or thirty-one yeah. hits, and the other part is, and this is when it gets scary for knights. The stratagem in the Adeptus Mechanicus book is for two command points. You can change the canical. It doesn't say a phase, not the beginning of the phase. It's at any point. 
So when you're fighting a knight and you're strength eight, you can change it when you hit. So after you make your hits, you spend two command points, change the canical to plus one strength. So you've already rerolled your ones. And now you're at strength nine because you're, you give them the canical number five, which is plus one strength. And now you're wounding knights on threes. Wow. I never realized that last bit of the interaction there. That's really cool. Yeah. And, really and there's, clever. yeah. And there's, there's some other parts about it too. Like, um, you know, there's, there's just different interactions where, you know, strength eight is kind of a, it's a weird number because it's a great number because against big T eight things, you can wound thing wound things on threes. However, you can't really get anywhere else besides that. You're already wounding things on threes that are strength five or tough five, and you're never going to get to twos against them. Um, and you're already wounding uh, yeah, tough four and lower. You're taking strength eight to strength nine, so it's not changing your value as far as doubling something out. You're Correct. doubling strength toughness four. You're not doubling toughness five. That hasn't changed. But it does change specifically what you're calling out right there is like the toughness eight bracket, which is rare, but it's knights, plague burst crawlers, things like that. Repulsors are huge. Yeah. Uh, plague burst crawlers and you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. Knights and tank, everything. Knights, tank commanders, blah, blah, blah. You know. <clears throat> Absolutely. There's a lot of T eight out there. That's really cool. Yeah. So from a style perspective, your list seems to be very aggressive with a fire base. So there's the dragoons, obviously, you know, they infiltrate they charge that's what they do yeah. uh you got smash captains they don't really have a they're not doing anything if they're not charging which is fine but, you know <laughs> that's, that's all they can do um and then you have uh, the thunder fires and the chaplain dread and the, the mortis dread so would you say your ideal style with this list was one to just blitz the other guy as quickly as possible or were you like trying to sit back and wait with your because that shooting base you have is really hard to interact with you know the thunder fires and the chaplain dread they don't get shot back. So you could really sit there and, and leverage your shooting advantage. How did you usually play your army? So I, I normally play about 60, 40 or 70, 30 aggressive. Um, but I try and build the, I try and build the list to be balanced. I try and build it to where <clears throat> if I don't go first, I have the negatives to hit. I have, you know, things in your face that you have to deal with. So then my, my firing platform stays safe for a turn or two. And then I think probably the, and, and uh, Siegler would probably agree. I, I probably made the most mistakes in that game because I should have been less aggressive. When he gave me first turn, I got excited because I had played that matchup so many times. I remember a very similar list, you know, some, some differences a little bit with broadsides and stuff, but I, I played Brian Poulin in game six at LVO to go to day three, and I got first turn um, when we were on stream at, the, at LVO. And... Um, I just, I, I guess I got a little bit excited about being too aggressive and didn't realize he had so many drones. Um, but yeah, so normally I'm, I'd probably say 60, 40. Um, I play aggressive, but I try and hold the middle of the board and I try and make people play my, play to my style rather than give them the upper hand. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people have success with that. That's completely opposite of my play style, by the way. I'm, I'm very passive reactive. But uh, that's not to say that aggressive players can't succeed. It's just uh, it's something I have a hard time identifying with, I suppose. Yeah. And, and to be honest, you, you asked about list building or about my play style, but my play style is correlated with my list building because I try and build a list that gives me the aggression, but also if my aggression doesn't, doesn't pan out, I have something to fall back on. Because I know personally... I like to I like to force my opponent's hand and make them make mistakes instead of you know holding back and then trying to you know 
react to them. I'd rather make them react to me. So I try and build lists that way to where if something doesn't work, like when I played Siegler, my smash captain did absolutely nothing. With right. that, with that not going well, I still had everything, you know, in the middle of the board and my my firing platform in the back to continually give me points and pull me out of that hole of losing, you know, my warlord so quickly. Gotcha. Hey, I've got a I've got a question. So just in evaluating your list, I'm sort of thinking about it right now, and I'm a little bit of a newer player, so this that's where I'm coming from. But it looks to me like you have the ability to put a lot of first turn hurt on someone, right? Because you can. Um, it costs a lot of CP, but you can redeploy um, a Blood Angel Smash Captain, and he can get a charge on turn one. You can um, move the Chicken Walkers. What are those things called? Dragoons. You Dragoons. Pre-game move walkers. them. <laughs> right. So they move like nine, right? So the first turn charges are not a hard thing for them. Um, they move ten. It, so so their their first turn. If I get first turn, their movement is nineteen inches. So the scout is always pregame move of nine. Yes. Okay, gotcha. So they move ten. So that's nineteen plus you know two d six. So if you're standard Dawn of War, a twenty four inches, you have a pretty easy charge. Yep. Um, and then a lot of them are in that twenty four inch range uh, between you know if your opponent if your opponent deploys on the line. So at a minimum, the threat of that is forcing your opponent to either accept that he can get charged on the first turn or deploy back from the line, giving you more control of the table, which I like. And then also you can you can can you can you move multiple things the first turn? Can you also first turn move or a scout move the um, the drill with yeah, the close absolutely. combat unit? And everyone yeah. uh, Blood Angel Smash Captains too with the, yep. uh, the Death Company strat. Exactly what I was about to say. Yep. So there's a Death Company strat where and it allows you to advance too. So you're already moving twelve plus D six. So let's say three on the low side, fifteen inches plus their twelve inch move because they can't advance and charge. So that's another twenty seven inches in the first in the first turn. And then, yes, like you said, John, um, the, a lot of people see the drill. They know the rules. Okay, they can deep strike, and then things can get out kind of like a drop pod, which helps, and you know, we can go into this later, but which helps with you know, some of the list building that I've been working on for aspect scanning and stuff. But besides the point, the, the drill with the Electro Priest in, you can also spend one command point and pregame move that because the Electro Priests are in the drill. So they move nine, you get, and if you get first turn, you get out three, your, their movement is six, and you don't have to be wholly within with your base, so you get that extra one-inch base, so you get another 19 inches. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things, like, anyone who just looks at the list can, like, you know, you know Stygis has infiltrate. That's what they do. You know Blood Angels, like, that's been around for two years. You know what that does. Right. Um, but when you just look at it off the cusp, you not you might not expect all that in your face on top of turn one. <laughs> that, that is a lot. So begs the question, though. Like, obviously, you have a really strong turn one. You infiltrated and moved your smash captain, your, your uh, chicken lockers, and your drill with the priests. It's very scary. What happens when you go second? Uh, the dragoons are minus two to hit. The drills minus one to hit at T eight. Um, in this, it, with this specific list, you can't target the the dreadnoughts. the The gunboats are minus one to hit at T seven, and you can give them cover. You can't give the drill cover because he doesn't get canicles, but he does get the forge world. Um, and then you can give, you know, if I go, if I go second, I can give my entire admec army cover. I can spend two CP and give everybody else cover. You can't really target the characters. So what do you really want to shoot at in that list? I mean, you can't shoot the Thunderfires because what, what's that going to do? They're in cover with a one-up save. You're also presumably out of line of sight. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the things that are going to kill it are probably the, the admec tanks, but you have to get, you have to pray that they fail too two two up saves um so i guess you, you 
the, I give you all these things and they're still pretty much in your face because they're nine inches farther forward. So they're in the middle of the board. So you're shooting at minus two to hit Dragoons with cover, which is a three up and everything in Admech has an inbolt and you can't shoot the, the Electra Priest. So it's kind of just like a, you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna take gangbusters. If you don't, you're probably gonna lose the game anyway. So if you take gangbusters, you want to focus fire that unit that's going to move 10 inches and in, at the bottom of my turn. So they pretty much soak up turn one shooting, which is another reason going back why I've been thinking about maybe not putting them in there is because a lot of the times I don't get to use them. And then I think to myself, you know, 340 points for that unit. Is it worth it for them to just get killed the first turn? Is, am I okay playing with 1,660 points? So, Right. And well, that's kind of what I was saying. Like, yeah, they, they're going to soak up all the fire your opponent has. And, you know, that's great because the rest of your army's not getting shot. But you're not really excited that you're losing those guys, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and you think about it, though. I, I try and compare it to other armies. You know, obviously, you know, like Siegler's list, he's only going to lose drones. But and let's say a, a Space Marine's list with a Repulsor, that's three hundred around 340 points. Are you okay? Can you win the game with losing a, a single Repulsor in one turn? That's a good point. That's you know, really yeah. um, I think about it with chaos. Chaos. Can you lose Mortarian or Magnus in the first turn and still win the game? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you lose can you lose yeah, a night can you lose right. a night Crusader and still win the game? My I think to be honest, I think five dragoon losing five dragoons in turn one is a an easier blow than losing any of those big units that I just mentioned. Really, because I feel like not just the the way dragoons are from a points perspective, the way your army exists on the table. I'm trying to like literally picture what your army on the table looks like. There's a drill, there's a pile of chickens, there's some smash captains, and there's just nonsense and some backfield shooting. Yeah. If I kill the dragoons, let's like you said, it's 340 points. That's also by far the largest amount of footprint you have on the table. Then I'm literally just looking at like a couple characters and a drill full of priests. That's a very small profile. So your board control is kind of washy now because while your army exists in the middle of the table it's also very small so i can kind of maneuver around it kite it around those priests are slow how do you deal with that you can solve those problems yeah you're absolutely right but i mean I, I guess the only thing i could say is yeah when you get to these these top, i guess the top level players that that you know we're, we're playing against you have to to be at that level, you have to be able to play with a low model count and still win the game. Like I, I remember watching Nate, one of Naden's game when one of my games was done, he had like five models left in turn three or four. And he was like, Oh, I got this game in the bag. I was like, that's, I mean, that's insane. But yeah. like, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, where I've got a couple of the, you know, the, in this list, I had a couple of the boats and they have a decent footprint. I've got a bunch of characters that can, you know, take up a little bit of space. Um, and then I have the smash captains who are relatively tough to take down with their six up feel no pain and the three up invuln. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I, to be honest, I, I, I do think about that, but um, you know, it's, it's the same with Marines really. Like if you play pure space Marines, centurions take up a decent footprint, but then what else? You know, intercessors don't take up a huge scouts don't. The thunderfires sit in the back, and then you got a bunch of characters. Yeah, so, no, I hear you. Like you don't necessarily need to be a. 
It's weird because when you think of someone saying, I'm playing a board controller, that's kind of what you're describing. Like you have the turn potential to go in for turn one and kill the other guy. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't happen because you're going second or whatever. Uh, then you kind of shift and you're like, well, I'm just going to be in the middle of the table shooting you with Thunderfires and Scorpiuses and Thunderfires uh, and Dreadnoughts. And you don't want to come near me because I'll kill you. You're actually doing your own form of board control. But when you think of a board control army, you think of like 200 orcs, you think of Plague Bearers, you think of. Uh, nids, which are just like I exist here, and I take up all the table. I'm yeah. on all the objectives, <laughs> and you're doing it in a very more elitist way, which is really interesting. So I I try and and I, I don't know if I've ever explained this to anybody, but I, I try and ch- turn the game into a four quarters. So kind of like recon, but to be honest, a lot of the times I don't take recon. I try and control three quarters of the board at all times, and to to hold a quarter of the board. You really don't need that much. Dragoons can actually do one and a half to two entire squares by themselves. Because if you can hold at minimum two quarters, you're half and half. And then you just have to outplay the other player at 50% of the board. If you control three quarters, you're now putting pressure on the other person in their deployment. Like we played Search and Destroy a lot at Pro Tabletop. But even, you know, Hammer and Anvil, if you can find a way to infiltrate one of their squares, one of their quarters then you're giving them no space. And you don't have to hold that much of the board or have to hold that much of the square to actually control it. Like you just need to be able to block off nine inches. And nine inches is actually a long way. So giving... Well, also, yeah, go ahead. I just, if I could just interject really quick. Um, projection of force is another way that you can hold off areas of the board. Like, sure, maybe you don't have your entire army in that quarter of the board, but you can put a lot of hurt on anything that goes there. So it's like your opponent has to make the decision. Like if I want to get in there, do I want to get charged by a smash captain and some dragoons or these electro priests that are camped out, you know, within, you know, dump off range and, um, charges. So like you, you are projecting a lot of different ways. You're projecting force with your army so that you make it hard for your opponent to exist in different quarters of the board without actually having to like overcommit to it, which is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And and I try, I, I don't always shoot the biggest threat first. Like that's not, that's not always my game plan. My game plan is, okay, there's two objectives in this corner because, you know, it was a placed objective and he put it there or there's one, you know, right next to it where it's like the diamonds and I need to get to that objective now and then I actually have enough movement to get to the other objective in the, in the other square that I don't control right now. So I need to shoot these scouts and or these nurglings or whatever's in this corner to force his hand to try and get over there. Because once he go, once my opponent go or he or she, once he, my opponent goes over to try and recapture that that corner or that square or you know quadrant, then I'm going to circle back around and hold the other quadrant, and then he's just going to be running in circles the whole game. So it's interesting you broke the table into quadrants like that. I've never really heard of anyone doing that, or at least not articulating it that way. And I get what you mean. You're you're controlling 50% table. You're controlling half the objectives. And if you're controlling more, you're controlling more of the objectives. It's just a different way of saying it. But what is the purpose of that if the mission only has a handful of objectives? Like let's say... Um, I guess the the precious cargo mission where it's you could be three. controlling it's just well that's the that's the one that's two and two or the one like two in your zone two in their zone or the mission two I don't know what's called there's only three objectives one in the middle and the one in your zone one in his zone 
you know, what is the point of controlling the quarter over there when there's no objectives? You know what I mean? You limit you, the reason for it is you limit their movement ability. So, like John had alluded to, if let's say I have a smash captain in a ruin, or I have electro priest in the drill right in the middle of the board, or just you know caddy corner to the, to the right side into a corner into one of the quadrants, they're not going to want to come at that right right like directly at it. They're want to they're going to want to go through some other way, and so that means that I can counter into that corner. Now, if they were to go the other way, I could counter the other way. So I'm I'm giving them if if I'm holding the center of the board and then two quadrants on my side, I'm giving myself the ability to take over the third. If this is in the situation where I go second. So I'm I'm able to get to that, you know, if there's two into their deployment and then there's two in my deployment, or there's you know, one in the middle and one in my deployment, that means that I hold the middle, I hold mine. And then I can get to theirs at, at any point because I'm already in the middle of the board. And th for them to get to me, if it's a deep strike or it's a big unit that you know, moves a far, you know, a long way, like, you know, I don't know, Sanguinary Guard, which we'll probably see in the near future, um, or deep striking Centurions, they have to go into one of those other two quadrants that I'm not currently in. And then I can control them and put them into the position that I want them to be in. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. So you're, it's almost like you're playing chess in a way where it's like it's not so much that you're dealing damage or just forcing them to go into specific spots which don't matter to you. Exactly. And, and they don't matter to me when they do it. They matter to me maybe end game or they matter to me at the bottom of my turn to where I can counter wherever they move. I want them, I want them to feel like they have a spot that they can go and not realize that I actually wanted them to go there and now I'm going to counter because they, they pulled into my position where I want them to be. Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess you have two different styles of playing this army based on what's going on. You're either bum-rushing your opponent um, <laughs> or you're just kind of existing on the board and doing your own thing, scoring your points. So um, I guess you do score points really well, being that you have good indirect fire. You can always kill like some crappy units and score some points that way. You have... Uh, your Lazcans would just consistently fire because character dreadnought rule and whatever. And anyone who goes near certain portions of the board, just kill in combat. What kind of secondaries do you choose to go along with that? Obviously it's a little dependent on what your opponent's list is, but like what are some generic ones? If you could give me that. Yeah, absolutely. The non-line of sight, I mean, shooting with two, my two disintegrators and the two thunder fires, or, you know, the, the list I ran last weekend is three disintegrators. Um, I always take butcher's bill um with with the marine meta there's always scouts or there's something that i can pick off a couple wounds a land speeder or an attack bike or something that i can pick off and then i kill one big target um with all the characters headhunter you know when i played mark perry headhunter was an, an obvious one because he he's got a boatload of of characters that want to support the units that are there so if i can chew through the units i can get to the characters um and then recon sometimes um, with the smash captains, they give me the ability to hold one square for, for at least a turn. And then, like I said, holding the middle of the board and I have the scouts so I can get recon at minimum twice and then start moving, you know, my ranger squads out or start moving anything. The, the character dreadnoughts late game to get me one more extra and try and max it out. Um, those are pretty much the, the normal ones I go to. And then obviously old school is such an easy one. Um, to go, but you know, sometimes it's a trap, uh, like it was with Siegler. Actually, I took it with, I took old school, and I, and I went against my better judgment because I don't normally take that. 
against Tao, and uh, and I did because I thought I could get it. Um, but yeah, so that you know, those are the ones I normally you know circle around. Right, that makes sense. So, out of curiosity, why why were you hesitant to? Why are you generally hesitant to take old school? I mean, you have firepower to kill a unit turn one. Warlord is not difficult. Typically, I mean, it's not easy, but it's not difficult for a combat army because you are getting into the characters at some point. And then Linebreaker and Last Blood, it's kind of just like, are you alive at the end of the game? So that's whatever. Uh, why do you not generally take that? Um, I, it, it, again, it's obviously army dependent, um, opponent dependent, but I don't normally, with this list, I didn't see myself having units to get to, the li to, to their line in the last turn. Um, okay. I, yeah, I guess your fast elements commit suicide at some point. So yeah, and then I was, yeah. you know, against uh, Pamprine, I was I was fortunate enough to, like I said, I was I was controlling three quarters of the board, and I gave him his one square, um, and then I started rotating back because I knew I had to get Linebreaker with my with my um, boats. Those are what gave me Linebreaker, and that's rarely happens because I don't normally have have, especially if I go first, I don't normally have. Um, time or i don't normally have space to get one of those there without them dying from some close combat or some character that's that's around at the end um so, and then yeah, and then last strike i mean if you can't kill anything in the last turn you're i mean it's going to be the game's already close but you might you're probably going to end it up losing anyway. yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're saying and this is something i find and I, I talk a lot about in my coaching whereas like old school is kind of like a win more button in a way same with ground control exactly it's like if you're losing, it's a close, not losing, but if you're having a close game, you have not much left, your opponent has not much left, it's a close game, and then you go one for four on ground control because you just, you know, you're mostly dead, or old school, you miss line break or you miss last break because you're mostly dead, that's a huge momentum loss at the end of the game. And that's just not really, it's to be able to get those secondaries, you need to be at least in decent position on turn six, which doesn't help if you're kind of losing and trying to dig yourself out. Yeah, and I, that's what, to be honest, not obviously we're more talking about my list, but. I was a little surprised you took ground control against Siegler in the last game. Yeah, I was. I went literally same thing. I went back and forth between that and old school. Uh, you know, you can't lot. kill his. You can't kill his his warlord. I mean, I couldn't. I knew I couldn't. Yeah, but I, I knew I wasn't killing his warlord. That was in my plan. So I mean, that's one point out for old school. Um, ground control. I thought if I got second turn, which is what I wanted, Siegler won the roll and gave it to me. Um, and we'll do an entire bonus episode where Siegel and I talk about this, so stay tuned for that, guys. But um, ground control, I figured if I have first turn, which I don't want, maybe I can just hit him really hard, which I wasn't able to do. Not hard as hard as I would have needed to to win that game. Yeah. But uh, at least there's the, that's the chance. And if I, I'm hedging my bets, because like if I get second turn, now I, my job is just to survive. I can just survive pretty well. I have that corner ruin, which is great against Tau. I can just chill there and then manage ground control at the end. We also got the mission that was six objectives, uh, and three of them were fairly close to my little corner ruin home. Sure, sure. So I figured that wouldn't be a super hard thing to jump out to. And then finally, I played Sealer uh, about a month ago at Wars in Atlanta. Almost the same list, very similar style. Uh, and you know, that was the first time we ever played, and we both adapted our strategies since then. But in that game that we played, I had killed all three Riptides by turn six. So I figured... If I kill all three Riptides by turn six again, which I came close but didn't quite get that finish line, um, he probably can't knock me off ground control even if he has bottom. Gotcha. That was my thought process, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, and I, yeah. 
Sorry, John. Sorry. To get us back on topic. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was going to do. I'm going to bring this, bring this. I'm going to turn this car back around and get on the interstate again. Um, uh, <laughs> this is about me. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about what I'd like to hear Justin talk about. Maybe is some other um, iterations of the list. So, what other things have you considered? And probably in the admix stuff, because I think the the Iron Hands uh, detachment and the Blood Angels detachment are kind of they're kind of they are what they are because that's what people play like um but not so fast john there's some yeah some cool things coming for lvo i promise you yeah well let's yeah. hear about we that tell me so, tell me that. so um yeah i mean my my iterations of the list have i i think i'm third in imperium right now um i would really like to win the the imperium best in faction um so that's what I'm going to stick with with a soup army for the rest of the year up until you know until LVO, um, and I obviously would love to to win the ITC. Don't know if that's going to be possible. I'm expecting a baby in about a week, so probably not going to get to any majors or GTS. And I think I'm probably a few points. Congratulations! I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. First one, so um, an heir to the throne. So he'll be he'll be here in a couple weeks, you know, ten days or so. So. Um, but you know, my goal now, uh, since I'm probably, I'm, I think I'm around like a thousand points, and I don't think I can make two hundred points up with everybody who's going to be going to LVO. Um, so I just want to go make the top eight. That's my goal, and uh, win best Imperium. So my my iterations of the list have been the Disintegr- the the Scorpius. I I feel like I got to have three tanks if I take them. Two is great, um, and if if I don't have enough points, maybe I will take two, but. But three is better. I think actually, three tanks and one Thunderfire is better than two and two. And the reason I say that is because I I don't play uh, base Space Marines or, or pure Space Marines, so I don't get the extra minus one. And so the extra Strength Seven missile and the Stubber shots really comes into play um, when I can get line of sight to things. It helps pick off wounds on uh, planes. It helps because I I can always pretty much always guarantee a plus one with the datalosis because planes are always going to be flying towards me turns one and two um and then you know the the stubbers just really help with guard they help with with orcs and and all that having just a lot of shots in that guy for no reason exactly 27 stubbers coming from those three i mean hitting on hitting on twos if i can get in range with the datalosis and wounding on fours on like an orc or wounding on threes on on t3 infantry pretty it, it mulches a squad pretty easily yeah, it does it definitely adds up well and also it, it's yeah, it's a t it's a t7 body that you can yeah. just park somewhere somewhere in, minus one no in scenario yeah it's so. always got cover assuming that matters yeah absolutely um and so, so the iteration of the list i will tell you that it's going to be really hard to get away from sanguinary guard and and i will say that i one of my you know best friends uh, he plays here in St. Louis. Andrew Hayes is a stud player. I mean, he just does not get to to um, travel as much as I'd like him to, um, just because of work schedules and everything. Um, but he's going to try and go pure Blood Angels. And his, him and I have gone back and forth with this new Blood of Ball book. And there's, it's going to be tough to get me, not not have me playing a ten man Sanguinary Guard, maybe even twenty at LVO. Um, I watched what they did. He played. We played a, a practice game before last weekend, um, or no, uh, this week, last week, and I watched what he did to my lines and to one of my tanks and to my centurions. It was nasty. Um, they are they're strong. The the flat two damage. If you get you know the it's pretty much plus one damage with um, any D three rolls of one, you get an extra one. 
or it, it acts as uh, two. Um, the plus one to charge, You, I think you can get it to a seven or maybe even a six. Um, the death mask being able to be minus one to hit. Uh, and then they have a two up save. They're, they're bolt guns. They drop 10 points total if you take the axes, which are the strength five minus two D3 damage. Um, they really mulch through anything that they touch. So um, that's definitely that's definitely a, a keep portion in the list that I'm going to be testing. Um, and then Centurions, obviously, I played a White Scar Centurion unit this weekend, and the outflank I just don't think was strong enough. Um, I think I might switch to Raven Guard and go with Centurions. Uh, but the only issue is I don't get the extra minus one with the AP, so that that is challenging. I might not bring Centurions. The Centurion edition might, or you know, the the different edition might be um, the Sanguinary Guard instead of the 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 centurions yeah that's there's a lot of new stuff the new blood angels and just marines have to offer so that'll be cool to see especially another very aggressive board control type element that the segment regard are you can definitely see how that will help you um right now you don't really have any deep striking threats outside the, the potential of a smash captain getting picked up and placed somewhere else right um you can also deep strike the drill Oh, that's true. That's true. But they they don't really charge from reserve reliably like Singularity Guard can. No, they real- don't. And then the, the issue is the manipulus has to be on the board when he does the plus one to charge. So it's, it's really even that it is still like that fails. Yeah. On two. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah. So I mean, there's some iterations of the list um, that I've been working on already, and um, we'll see. You know how it unfolds getting into the LVO. So. Yeah. So uh, I did have another question. Um, your army uses so many command points. Like Blood Angels, we all know how many they <laughs> Three battalions minimum moving forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you only have two as it is right now. So uh, how did you get by? Like you're making a Dreadnought a character. You're then death companying up your Smash Captains. You're infiltrating stuff. You're pregame moving stuff. Then you're using the actual strats in the game, like fighting twice and whatnot. How did you budget and how did you plan for all that? Um, my plan was that luckily the ad mech uh, strats were are very cheap. The Dragoon one is is one CP um, to give him plus two to hit, and then I didn't change the canicals except for maybe once um, because that's a two CP strat, right? Yeah, two CP. Um, and the only thing that can fight twice in the ad mech book is Electra Priest. And I actually normally take an eleven or twelve man into drills, um, and sometimes I've taken two drills with twelve Electra Priests each. Um, but this time I only took 10 and I really just took them for the lack of board control I had. Um, so being able to hold the middle of the board with a T8 vehicle that hits really hard in combat and has a melt gun and two storm bolters, and then being able to have the electric priest as a backup to take out some, you know, some drones or small infantry or, you know, strength five, they can, you know, maybe pick off one or two centurions with the mortal wounds. So, um, I'm always happy to, to, to make that trade if I can take two or three centurions off with the 10-man Electro Priest squad. Also, just having Electro Priest there to to get into the mix with intercessors, because I'm seeing more and more marine lists with like 25 intercessors, so that actually is something that you have to be able to tussle with, right? Because they're yeah. going to be also in the center of the board. Yeah, absolutely. And and it'll be interesting because you know moving forward, uh, the electric priest went down in, in points as well. Um, but yeah, for the for the command points question, Nick, I, I just kind of managed. I normally started with nine because I would always spend. I would start with fourteen, two battalions, the the three for the battle forged, and then one for the spearhead. I drop one for the the character. I drop 
two for death company. So I'd go to 11 and then I'd drop normally two for my pregame move. So I'd start with nine, nine CP wasn't enough, but it was, it was enough to be honest, to get by. So right. I focused one unit really hard, depending on what matchup I had, like against like you would pick which tool mattered a lot and be like, my smash captain's going to use five CP here. And that's going to be that. Yep. And anything I had left was just kind of gravy. So my warlord smash captain that you couldn't overwatch that rerolled charges i played an iron i played an iron hands list in round five something like that and i played uh against an iron hands list scott uh uh horace i think um and i spent three cp to fight two cp to move them and i think i actually no he rerolled charges so i actually didn't spend a cp there but um exactly i i spent no i spent six because i gave him an extra d3 attacks um, once he got in, which is a Blood Angel strat at the beginning of the start, uh, five phase. So six command points out of the nine just on that one guy, knowing that I had three left, and that was that was what I was the game. Yeah. that's what I was gonna use. And to be honest, the, the the units that I have really didn't need um command points. I can get the Datalosis in range to hit on twos and I can reroll ones in the in the shooting phase. So that's pretty, you know, pretty good where I'm not gonna need to reroll anything there. The Dragoon strat was one CP. I've got three left in that in that scenario, so I can use that maybe once. Um, and then it, if I deep strike the captain, it's two CP to three D six charge. So there's my three command points. Um, the Thunderfire hitting on twos, rerolling one of the misses, and then rerolling one of the misses to wound because of Master Artisan was you know pretty reliable as well. So I just didn't feel I needed the command points for anything else other than the Smash Captain, the Dragoons, and then reliably getting things into combat. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like you said, you want more, but it is what it is. You got by. Yeah. And I think uh, taking battalions is a double-edged sword in this day and age because taking more crappy troops is not only just a points tax, you're also giving your opponent things to kill. Absolutely. Which is, you know, your list is smaller because you have more crap in it, and then you're giving literal victory points to your opponent by existing. So that's never good. So striking that balance is something I find very difficult, and I think you're getting by, so that's good enough. Yeah, I, I will say I had for about a month or maybe three weeks before the list we're doing pro tabletop, I, I kind of had a writer's block with the Space Marine meta. I didn't know what I could do, and I actually I texted everybody going into the weekend like, I hate my list. It's so bad. I'm going to get tabled. I'm you know, I'm going to play all these guys, and, and I'm just not going to have enough command points. I'm not going to have enough board control. And I guess, you know, I, I found a way. <laughs> so, no, I mean, you obviously did. He did find a way, especially, you know, there was exactly what you'd expect. Like Marines were 50% of the top eight, I believe. And you played two of them. Or no, you played one of them in the first round, just muscled right through it. And I'm sure you played Marines on the way there. Like you said, you mentioned you played Scott playing Iron Hands. And Scott had like, if I recall, a, a very stereotypical iron hands list like here's some repulsors yep and then, I, shoot you. and then i also played tim piney which had a very similar list to you with the suppressors and the mm-hmm. the thunder fires and all that and that yeah. was to be honest pamperine's game was probably my best game but tim's game was probably you know my close second um being able to you know wrap tricks and being able to try point things and, and being able to you know kind of control the outcome of the game from you know turns four and five great 
Well, I definitely want to get into the matchups a lot more in the next half of the episode. Um, but before we get into that, I had one other question for you. Yeah. Um, you've obviously played this army in ITC. It's designed for that, as you kind of described. Uh, but I've seen you be successful elsewhere as well, in like Nova, which has a totally different format. Uh, so what kind of changes do you make to your list to account for the format, or you don't really care and just make changes based on like armies and the meta and whatnot? I think it's probably a 33-33-33 split when I build my lists. 33% of it is the meta. 33% of it is the the tournament I'm going to in the mission packet. And then 33% of it is the opponents that I feel like I'm going to face. So what, what I think... You'll tailor down to like an exact person. Yes. Well, not an exact person, but more of a, I guess, group of players. So knowing that, like going... Going to Pro Tabletop thinking that I'm going to, if I want to win this thing, I'm going to have to play Tau. How do I beat Tau? Non-line of sight shooting, lots of, doesn't matter AP, and two damage flat so the Feel No Pains can go through. Um, I'm going to have to play Marines. How do you beat that? Two damage. Um, Smash Captains with four damage Thunderhammers kicking the, the crap out of Centurions and Thunderfires to have people's movement. <clears throat> and then, you know, just various things. Like, I, I didn't think I would see any Orc players, so I wasn't too worried about that. Or GSC with how crappy they've become because of the Marine meta. Um, so, and then I, you know, and then I focused on the L's and I focused on the Ruins and, and being able to manipulate my movement around those around those um, scenarios, around those pieces of terrain. But the Nova, Nova's the same thing. You know, the, the missions were different. I figured, okay. Who's going to be there? I knew, you know, uh, one of your friends, Anthony Birdsong, and I had played. He had a great orc army he was doing really well with. I think he, you know, um, ended up third or fourth or something. Um, yeah. I knew that I knew that the Cladius tanks were going to be big. Um, I knew that Guard was still relatively, relatively around, and so were Knights. And I knew that I needed something to kill Knights, and I needed something to hold objectives throughout an entire turn. So I was trying to find things that were a little tougher and vehicles that could sit on objectives and not get killed. Um, and then other other mission types, Adepticon. Actually, Adepticon, I, I was so busy at the beginning of the year after LVO um, that when I went to Adepticon, I literally changed one little thing in my list and, and brought the same same list. So yeah, we'll say, not the best example. Yeah, not the best example. Um, but, you know, it's been a really it's been a really enjoyable year. I've I've met some amazing people and and I've been able to play some top level talent um, in those three tournaments or four tournaments that we talked about. So, um, but yeah, I mean, LVO, I built my list and that was one of my kind of my I, I don't know my coming out party. I don't I don't know how to say that. It was my first ever big event where I had done really well. I finished fourth. I lost Alex Harrison and. Um, and his, you know, his flyer list where the, that crap started, unfortunately. Um, but I, man, I, I hate that list, but besides, <laughs> besides the point, um, but yeah, so, and then I went to Nova, I, I don't remember, I think I finished fifth or somewhere around there. Um, and, uh, I just, I knew that the L's, I had never really played with L's to be honest. I, I practiced with them. They changed, they changed my entire army because of it. Um, being able to throw some tanks behind it, being able to put the drill between them um, was huge. So, Gotcha. No, it makes a lot of sense. 
Um, so I'm excited to talk about your matchups in the next half. John, is there anything else you want to ask for this one? Yeah, actually, Justin, if you could just, uh, you know, if is there any way place where people can get a hold of you if they want to maybe talk with you more with more specifics about your list, if they're inspired to give AdMech a try or they want to talk some Blood Angels or whatever, um, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can always find me on Facebook. I don't really have any content that I create on a daily basis or weekly basis. Um, but you can always find me on Facebook. It's just my full name. I don't put my middle name or anything. So it's Justin Lois. Um, I am more than happy to talk about anything. If, if you want to you know, message me about a list, I may not get back to you right away. But but to be honest, I, I, I kind of have a little bit of an OCD thing where I, I don't really go to bed with no, notifications on my phone. So I'll, I'll probably get back to you within you know, 12 hours or so. Um, but if you want to talk about, you know, anything, lists, tournaments, um, or even, you know, the past, I'm more than happy to, to, you know, talk to you about that. And maybe if somebody's had a, a tough time at a tournament or had a tough opponent, or, you know, maybe they're the the subject of, a, of something frustrating, um, by, by all means, reach out there. We, I have a Twitch account that we run our RTTs. We run RTTs in St. Louis. I do personally run RTTs once a month um, in St. Louis and we stream, you know, the top tables for those three games. Uh, we normally have between 14 to 20, 24 players. Um, we actually just this last weekend gave away a thousand dollar store credit for the, for the event. We're going to do that once a year. So, um, yeah. And the, the Twitch account is J Lois 15. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much everywhere you can find me. Cool. Well, thank everyone. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Art of War podcast. Please check us out on Patreon if you want to hear us talk, go deep on matchups and, uh, you know, specific stratagems and, you know, relics and whatever else uh, Justin cooks into his list. I think his list, one of its strengths, actually, is its customization. So I think that uh, that discussion will be will be really great. Um, Other than that, I hope you guys all have a great day. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com, where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K.